0: Welcome to episode nine of Empower Essential, the podcast for parents, teachers, and youth workers. I'm your host, Kristen Perona. We explore topics that will empower you as you guide and impact the next generation. And we are actually doing part two of the counter-narrative. Last episode, we interviewed Nancy Graniason, our librarian, who spoke to us about choosing culturally responsive books. And today, we're continuing the conversation on the counter-narrative with our principal, Mrs. Paya Sample. Welcome, Paya. Thank you so much. I know this is important to you as an educator. Definitely.
1: I think the big thing when you think about counter-narrative is thinking about it's a story or a narrative from a perspective of people who have traditionally been marginalized. So oftentimes the stories we don't hear um, the other side of the story. Um, and when I think of how narrative, I mean, that can be in so many different areas. When we think about, particularly if we think about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, we often hear it from the perspective of the pilgrims, or the people who were coming over into the new world, what we call now North America.
0: Especially and for an elementary school. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And
1: so we often hear what it was like when they got here, what the, how the they had to adjust to the climate and the foods in, that, in those um, areas. However, we don't always hear from the perspective of the Native Americans and how they were impacted. And so when we talk about the counter-narrative, it's how do we find... Um, places for their voices, and oftentimes we, when we pick up books and we can hear, oh, they wanted Native American uh, people wanted to help in many ways. One thing we have to be careful of is they're they are often written from the perspective of someone who is not Native American. So when right. we talk about the counter narrative, how do we find spaces or opportunities to allow people who are traditionally marginalized to
0: tell their own stories? Can you define for us what marginalized means, real quick?
1: With the people who have been marginalized, it's typically the voices that we don't hear. We don't hear their parts of the story. Their voices aren't always the loudest. Um, they aren't often the most popular. Are often um,
0: the most represented. The most represented or... in,
1: in picture books, in film, in music. Okay. Um, it's kind of digging in, digging in a little bit deeper to to hear their stories.
0: To hear their stories and also, wouldn't you say, to find out the truth? Yes. Because here for elementary schools, whether they're Christian schools or other faith-based schools or even public schools, Native Americans are very much presented during Thanksgiving as favorable and really helpful and really nice and kind. And so it's not that they're talked negatively about, but is there more to the story? Right. Is is that the only
1: time we talk about Native Americans? And I think that's what brings us into this idea. um, There's a really powerful TED Talk called um, The Danger of a Single Story. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I've done before, before I came to to Central, and as well as starting to integrate some of that into conversations that I'm having with teachers is, how do we ensure that we are not playing into that narrative as well? How are Mm -hmm. we not teaching students that Native Americans only existed in the past? but helping them to see that they are still present today. And so with our second grade um, teachers in particular, having a conversation with them because they do a lot about the different Native American tribes here in the United States Mm -hmm. um, in the the history. And so challenging them to think about how can we bring more light to our students to help them realize that people from Native American descent are still living here today, that we are rubbing shoulders with them. We go to church with them. We might live in the same communities with them. They might not look the way that they have often been depicted in in literature or in movies. Um, but helping kids to pull away those stereotypes that we tend to have around Native Americans. There's a um, photographer, um, the project is called Project 562, who is working to try and go and uh, take photographs of all the 562 nations that are still represented here in the United States. And I shared that resource with the second grade um, teachers and I used it before when I taught in fourth grade. And it's just, it's images of Native Americans, some of them dressed in their traditional garb, but some of them dressed in ways that you would see me or you dress today. And uh, I remember the most powerful statement that I heard from one of my fourth graders at the time is um, there was a picture that came up and he said, oh, he's a boy that looks just like me. Right, And that's the power of showing them the counter narrative of it is not what we typically think of our Native American being angry. Or I'm upset, or you know, when you think about, you know, un- unfortunately, how they pr- were projected in film, yes. Native American, you know, cowboys and Indians. Not that, but helping kids to truly um, see the humanness and yes. people that are just like them.
0: And how do we relate to those kids? I love something that you said in regards to with marginalized people, giving them space to tell their story Uh from their perspective. Last episode with Nancy Graniason, she mentioned how we have worked really hard in our library to not just have picture books or novels about different races Uh or about children who have had different experiences beyond the majority culture, but that they are written from the perspective, Mm -hmm. and they are written by people of color. So the authors, the illustrators, are people of color themselves. It's not a bunch of white people writing stories about a different race, and that's so important.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Pea, what can our parents do, or even teachers do, what are some ways that they can introduce their kids, their students, to the counter-narrative? Give us some examples. I I think
1: picture books are the easiest way that I've used as a parent as well as I've used as an educator. Um, There are so many picture books on so many different areas that will just start to spark a conversation. It can't just end with me reading a book about um, an African-American during a certain time period. It can't just end with that. It didn't begin, that's at the start of it. So what kind of questions? So one of the things I always push kids to think of, how do we know that's true? Mm. Just asking that question, like, how do we know this story is true or how do we know this perspective is true? That's one way to think about it. And the, I think thinking bigger, and we want our students, we want our children to be critical thinkers, to not just yes. when they read a story, not when they just learn something. We don't want them to always think that that's just immediately true. How can we get them to think more critically about the stories they're reading, what they're being taught, um, and a big way of getting them to ask questions. One of my favorite questions is, especially with older students, huh, I wonder, is that always the case? How can we find out more? We don't want to scare kids off. We don't want to to frighten or uh, traumatize children when we talk about history because it is so deep and it is so heavy. It's not always going into the the violent history. There's a place and there's a time for that, but especially with our younger kids, just beginning to give them opportunities to think that perhaps this isn't the entire story and how can we find more spaces um, to allow these stories to be told? And I think that's some of the ways that we have to all think about as educators, how can we use our privilege to allow other um, voices that are, that are not often heard, um, space into our classrooms, space into our families. Um, yes. My privilege is that I can go out and purchase books from any, any store here. We have the money to be able to do that. However, I know there's also this responsibility that comes with that, that I have to be able to buy books and music and um, literature that allows my children to see into a window into someone else's culture and someone else's background. Um, I think it's also important that when we think about African-Americans, oftentimes students, unfortunately, are not introduced to African-Americans when we talk about history until slavery is introduced. Until slavery
0: in America. Right,
1: and so you have to think about as a child sitting in the classroom, and maybe this is the first time, if I'm a black child sitting in a class, the first time I hear about that anyone that looks like me is through the lens of slavery. Mm-hmm. Like, think about how that might feel for that child. Mm-hmm. So what other ways are we ensuring that students who are African American in particular, but also our white students are seeing that our history of black people are, is so much bigger and so much greater than simply slavery and just thinking about ways to weave that in and and reading stories of families that are just doing normal things that it doesn't always have to be this heaviness of um, the you know Jim Crow era or civil rights movement Mm -hmm. or slavery simply showing students reading books to students about families that are going to a baseball game or kids who are dressing up and playing you know dragons and um, and knights and the characters happen to look just like them if they're black, yes. or happen to look different than, than them if that child's white. Those are ways that we should be, in, again, engaging in that counter-narrative, pushing against those stories that we often hear and we often see that depict people looking a certain
0: way. Yes, so Paya, as we begin to embark on launching these conversations with our kids or mm-hmm. with our students on telling the counter-narrative, what are some mistakes that we should avoid? I
1: think one is uh, when
0: Thinking about choosing
1: the books that you pick. Simply grabbing a book because the characters on the front might look like a family that you're trying to, you want to show the other side. Simply grabbing without reading the book in advance. Which seems so simplistic, but it also can be extremely dangerous if you don't know what book you're putting before your students, or you don't know what books you're putting before your children. So one thing is reading the book in advance and thinking about um, what points are going to come up for your children, what questions that you could ask. Also, um, researching the author. We can't just make the assumption that it was written by someone who was Native American, African American, but we might have to do a little bit of digging a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. to to find out that person's story to ensure that the story being told is that of again, the marginalized group that we may be trying to shy, shed a light into. Um, so that is definitely a couple of things to think about. A, a big one, in, and I know Nancy touched on this in the earlier episode, is having more a more variety of books. So not just books by the same author. It's not showing them in one light, but how do we show the other side of the story? If we're only reading stories or introducing stories to children that show us as the American people that are helping, Yes. Here we are, the ones rescuing people who, yes. who are in need of help, but we're never showing the other side of maybe what's happening within that community, mm-hmm. what's going on, what family values are being brought up in, in people in different countries. Uh, if we're not showing that side, we fall right into that danger of a single story that we are, instead of opening our kids' minds to seeing people as diverse and unique image bearers of god but instead we're starting to solidify and seeing them in one way and only this one shape and form and again it seems so subtle but because we are creatures of habit it becomes easy to simply just go and start grabbing books and not putting much much thought into them Uh, but it actually can, can be pretty dangerous if we don't
0: Right. And I know when your kids get older, when they're in middle school, when they're in high school, it is hard to read everything that your kids read before mm-hmm. they do. But maybe even reading it alongside your kids Definitely. and saying, what do you think this author was trying to portray? And do you think the author has the, the full story, the, mm-hmm. the full view? and engage in dialogue with your kids yes well paya thank you so much for your time this has been incredibly practical and really helpful i think sometimes for us when we hear the words counter narrative or culturally responsive we want that Mm -hmm. in our homes we want that in our classrooms but if we're honest many of us don't know where to start so this has been very helpful and listeners I just want to encourage you if you have questions to reach out and email Paya the the email address is also in our notes and begin to to take your family on a different path and and make their your kids view broader Paya thank you thank you so much tune in again as we explore topics that will empower you as you guide and raise the next generation